Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And Mr. Nate Zielinski, um, they are putting on a contest for somebody to go on an ice fishing trip with you and I. And I know it's a ways off. You're going to have almost all year to enter, but we're going to have a good time. Absolutely, Terry. I am excited about it. You know, anytime, uh, you know, very rarely, I should say, do you and I ever get a chance to fish together and uh, spend time on the water. There's so much stuff going on, but uh, I'm excited to do it. That's for sure. It's going to be a great giveaway. No, you're, 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 you're totally right. Now, you've got, you don't have anything going on right now, do you? You're not involved you, in anything? You no, know, Terry. Uh, like as always, we uh, we try to take advantage of everything you can possibly do in the outdoors, uh, and I definitely have a lot of stuff going on. I just left a, uh, a very large corporate team building event at Georgetown, uh, and I actually just pulled up to Bass Pro Shops for the final weekend of the Spring Classic, uh, which is an awesome thing to be a part of. You know, they got some of the best deals on tackle around, uh, and they got some pretty big speakers coming in town today. I'm uh, I'm very you know privileged. Uh, to step on stage today with Keith Tobias and Chase Parsons. Uh, so it's gonna it's got a great day down here at Bass Pro Denver, that's for sure. Well, they should be thrilled to step on the stage with you. Tell Tobias <laughs> I said that. Tell Tobias said that. I hope he understands how humbling it is to share the stage with you. Uh, I will definitely tell him that. It's nothing else that gives you a laugh out of him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Keith's a great guy, a great angler. I don't know Chase. I mean, who's dad, Gary? I know of Chase, obviously. Very successful tournament walleye fisherman. And, of course, you know, the part Parsons and Kavai's name team throughout walleye history has been one of the most uh, well-known and successful. But uh, I do know Keith on a personal basis. He's been a guest on the show, and I've gotten to talk to him several times. And just great people. So just say hi for me there. What time are the seminars? You know, the seminars are starting right now. So uh, Chase is on at 10, Keith's on at 11, and then I am on at noon. And then we're all three joining back up at 1 p.m. for a panel discussion, which, uh, you know, Terry, you've been a part of that with uh, the stuff that we've done together. Uh, it's one of the my favorite portions of seminars is doing a Q&A live panel because then, you know, no matter what we talk about in a seminar, when it's a Q&A and a live panel, you 100% get your exact answers answered. So, One of my favorite formats for these seminars, you know, you and I have been doing them now at the ISE show for years, and and um, I just think it really gets the audience involved and they get those questions because I think sometimes when we're giving seminars, we take some portion of what we're talking about for granted and we move on to something and they don't quite grasp it just because we don't, we forget to explain something that's critical to it because we just, it's second nature to us. And that panel, exactly panel really opens it up. It's a beautiful day out there. It's, uh, I hope a lot of people show up, but there's going to be a lot of people getting outside too. What's happening outside fishing? You know, Terry, we, uh, we had, we've obviously we've been keep talking about how we've had a crazy winter. Um, you know, and we were a hundred percent three weeks ago. We were all set for boating on March 1st. Then we had uh, a little bit of a gnarly cold front. It just proves that when your water is already cold and you get the right temperatures, uh, things lock back up quickly. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are just chomping at the bit to get on the water. Um, you know, the reservoirs like Cherry Creek, it was a hundred percent ice topped on Monday. Um, and as of right now, it is ice-free. They're out there patrolling it right now, setting buoys. Uh, so I would anticipate uh, an open for boating set, you know, for Cherry Creek very soon, whether that's 
tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, uh, and the upcoming days, Cherry Creek will be open, uh, and you're going to have a lot of reservoirs falling right with that. So the whole front range um, is literally days away. I mean, really, we're, we're a windstorm away from being 100% bootable down here in the front range. We're excited about that. Um, and, you know, generally speaking, across the, across the entire uh, mountains, you're seeing the same type thing. Uh, you know, some lakes have a ton of ice. I was at Georgetown today, and uh, we have 18 inches of clear, hard midwinter ice. I mean, fantastic condition. Uh, then you have places like 11 Mile, and our good friend up there, Larry, uh, he actually has his last ice tournament today, and he has so much open water, he made it half ice, half open water. So 11 Mile right now is almost exactly 60-40. 60% open water, 40% ice. So he has a tournament going on right now where you can fish open water or ice, uh, which is kind of unique there. So a lot of changing conditions. And the thing we want to talk about today, really, as far as on topic, um, we want to talk about how in this, you know, mud season or in this transition season, uh, it offers some of the best times of year for some of the biggest trout, especially from shore when every single person can get onto those fish. Um, as these fish come into spawn, out of spawn, um, they are they are aggressive and they're in shallow water where everyone can get, get at them. Oh, and you're absolutely right. I talked a little bit about the stock trout even uh, over the or in the first hour. How you know? First of all, I know we're going to get into the front range grows huge trout because of the forage base, and 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 even a lot of our mountain lakes have huge trout. And this first open ice season, even when the ice isn't totally gone, even if you've just got channels of open water, the fishing can be phenomenal, and it's. They're fish that a lot of times are further from shore once the water warms up. But even the, the spawning rainbows, even the ones that were recently stocked, will head back towards shore. It's a lot of times towards the boat ramp. Absolutely, Kelly. You know, and the boat docks do a, a lot of different things. Number one, it's a stocking site, so you get a lot of fish returning to the boat ramps because that's where they were initially put in. The other big factor is, you know, majority of our food population, especially in our front-range reservoirs, is gizzard chad. Gizzard shad love light. They love it for food. They love it for safety. They love light. And most of our boat docks on top of a spawning site are also very well lit. And those very well lit parking lights and those lighted areas pull in bait fish, similar as they do in the spring and the fall. Anytime that water is cold, the bait fish gather. And you get a, a, a wide abundance of food in those same type areas. So anywhere where you have a lot of food and a spawn site, you're literally doubling up on those options for those fish, and you grow some big population. Um, and it, it's premium for some of those big fish. And, you know, you talk about spawn sites, a concrete boat ramp, uh, you know, in a lot of our man-made reservoirs, is literally some of the best spawning sites that these fish find. And you see it at Antero, you see it at Spinney. I mean, you pull up on a, a day when nobody's launched their boat yet, and you see these fish all over those concrete ramps. So that's a, a great place, especially right now since the lakes haven't opened for boating yet, uh, a great place to find some of those giant rainbows. Well, and we're going to see a layer of this going on. We're going to see it happening right down here in the front range, even after boating opens and the water is still cold. Then we're going to see as more ice. You're saying it's already going from 11 miles spinny, and we're going to see that uh, starting to open up. Of course, they can't get to spinny until the boat ramp's open, I believe. So, but uh, they haven't opened spinny yet, but 11 mile. Yep. And then some of the other mountain lakes, you know, you're going to see this same phenomena start to happen as you get up, get up to, you know, higher mountain lakes a little later in the year. So this isn't just something you can do the next day or two. This is something if you plan your trips and hit these lakes right that you can do for the next several weeks. I mean, several weeks, if not several months. I mean, there's going to be a lot of reservoirs that you're not going to see ice off until May. 
um, you know, some real high stuff. So those are the type of situations that you can learn that pattern, learn how to catch these fish in these type of conditions, and then take that technique and take these tactics um, and really run the gamut of the entire season, like you said. And, uh, I mean, it, it attracts everything. I mean, you look at an opening for lake trout, when we're talking big trout, you know, obviously we're focused on rainbows, but you look at a twin lakes, you look at, you know, any of these type of reservoirs where you get rainbows in that shallow water spawning as these lakes ice off you're going to get big rainbow or a big lake trout, big pike in those same areas feeding on those spawning rainbows. So it's literally a, a life cycle of everything in the predator-prey relationship gathering to those type situations to, to take active and easy meals. Um, so really, especially in the high country, you're going to have rainbows, you have browns feeding on the eggs, you have lakers feeding on, on the fish that are spawning. Uh, you have a lot of opportunities as this ice off comes off. And again, you know, you look at every species, you're a walleye fisherman, you know, ice off is a pre spawn bite. You're a trout fisherman. You are looking at a pre or spawn or a post spawn bite um, with heavy activity. Everybody gets worried about cold water. Um, and you just shouldn't think about that. Adapt your technique to the water temperature. Um, but more importantly, these fish are hungry. They've had, you know, ice on. So now all of a sudden they have an abundance of oxygen. Um, and it's definitely the time to take advantage as we get into these seasons for sure. Yeah, you hit on a key point. You know, these, of course, it's been a little off and on this year, but as the ice seeds even if it's only part of the lake and the wind blows a little bit you get a you get the oxygenation of the water which kind of rejuvenates these fish you also get sunlight starting to rejuvenate some of the vegetation even and and you get and then you get some bug life in that open water you start getting insect hashes and then that brings in the shad it brings in the perch it brings in the minnows it brings in all kinds of other small fish and then you've got the bugs. And you mentioned the spawning rainbows. Well, the spawning rainbows come in and pre-spawn not only to eat. Everything comes in to eat because there's food there. That's the big key. But those rainbows are going to eat close to where they might want to spawn a lot of the time. And you're right. They start dropping eggs. That brings the big browns in and the rain and the lakers. So it really is a plethora of opportunities for big trout and you know, it's not uncommon to catch five to ten pound trout up and down the front range in these lakes this time of the year. I, I agree, Terry. You know, it, it's crazy. So I look at, at my time spent on Chatfield. So I fish, uh, I fish rainbows everywhere. I fish, I have guys over at Sydney. We fish in Cairo. You know, I spend some time in Middle Park. I mean, I fish some of the best rainbow waters out there. And, you know, we get some big trout. We get a ton of those five, six pound fish. And, you know, every year we stumble into some of these bigger fish. But I also guide walleyes on, say, like Chatfield. And literally every single spring, I can't remember a spring where this hasn't happened, where we're out night fishing, trolling big stiff baits and fishing big minnow-style baits, you know, in late, or low light periods of the day and at night. And literally every single year, if you look across the board, my biggest rainbow and my biggest brown almost 100% always come from the front range. Even though I fish all these premium trout waters, I fish these big minnow baits, you know, especially like a channel field, trolling at night. You know, we get browns to 32 inches. We get rainbows to 30 inches. I mean, we have some giant fish. And a lot of the time of year, once they spread out, it's just hard to, to target them because they're not gathered up. But right now, when they're gathered in inlets, in, in the inlets, when they're gathered in coves and boat docks, um, your odds go dramatically up. And the nice thing about this time of year, I have to say as well, um, they're gathered you know, big fish, those opportunity is you can catch them on a wide variety of techniques. I and mean, whether you're a guy that casts spoons and swims them back, or you like to throw jigs like tube jigs or gold minnows, um, or you're a slip bobber with live bait on the front range, or you're a guy that goes out and fishes power bait. Those fish, you know, whether they're up 
feeding on on minnows up on the surface where you're catching them with a, you know an active retrieve, or they're spawning and you're fishing bait low. It's not like a, a one trick pony. It's not like walleye. We get to go fish a jerk bait. Um, you know these fish are taking a wide variety of food, so you can literally go out there with you know about any technique, apply it in the right situation, right time. Uh, and you can have success. So we love seeing that because, again, it's open for about anybody. Well, and the techniques. First of all, I want to make comment that the second largest trout I ever caught in my life came on a um, a rattle trap at Pueblo fishing for for a, a pre-spawn smallmouth bass. And Karen, a couple of springs ago, fishing off the shore, we were throwing jerk baits for walleyes, caught a huge rainbow off the shore at Carter Lake. So these fish are there. And what you mentioned about techniques, and there's so many ways you can catch them. If I have a couple favorites, though, I'm going to throw a jig and probably a jerk bait, a spoon occasionally. Occasionally a jig, I like if there's ice, throw the jig right out onto the ice and pull it so it drops right in the water because they're holding off the edge of that ice like it's a structure line no absolutely you know if i had one i in the front range i always go to the spoon uh just because the shad i can drop it low and spoon it back in like i'm spooning for walleyes or i can turn it fast up on the surface uh you know things like i mean a wide variety but tasmanian devils minotaur wobblers even like cast masters all those baits that are versatile that can work slow and let them sink or work fast and up high in the water column uh the versatility it matches the size of the food uh and just uh, being able to work in every way shape and form uh produces a lot of fish for us and i always go with those natural blue and silvers, black and silvers, uh, and it catches a lot of fish this time of year on the front range. Well, a couple other things, too, is one is don't be afraid to use a slip bobber and hang a jig and a power minnow or, or a gulp minnow or something or even live bait below it. And if you're using a jerk bait, people grab two small baits. You there, Nate? Yep, sorry, I lost you there for a second. I said when people are fishing jerk baits, they tend to grab two small baits. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I always, you know, my starting point is four and a half inches, and very rarely do I ever go smaller. Um, I would say a four and a half to a five and a half inch jerk bait is probably my most common across the board. Um, bulk up. Give those fish something, number one, to visually see. And number two, this time of year, they're looking for a meal. Give them that meal, and uh, they're going to take that meal. Yeah, and even if you're a fly fisherman this time of the year when the rivers get active, or even if it's from shore on the lakes, um, put the midges away and get some streamers out. Definitely. Same thing. You know, we talked about that last week about reaction fishing. Give the fish that meal. You know, all the fly fishermen are using nymphs, you know, big streamers, even talking about, you know, fishing worms. Use big, giant sandworms. worms. Bulk up while the fish are looking for that meal. They're going to find your bait easier, and they're going to take the bait easier. All right, Nate, before we let you go, real quick, you got some stuff going on. You're going to be a Bass Pro all day today with some really big names in the fishing industry doing seminars. What else you got coming up? You know, same thing. We're here today and tomorrow. So I encourage you, if you are an angler, um, you know, today is a chance to, c- to come down here and meet these guys. Whether you're, uh, you know, a supporter of a certain retail shop or not, uh, these guys are worth meeting. So, again, today, anytime at Bass Pro Denver, between now and, say, 2 o'clock, for that, our last seminar is at 1. It'll be wrapping up about 2. And then, again, tomorrow. We're starting at 11 and going until 3 tomorrow. Uh, this is the place to be. So make sure you check that out. Also, you can go to our website and our Facebook page. Uh, we just launched our open water event. So we launched our walleye insanity date as well as our bass obsession date. So uh, I encourage everybody to go check those out. Mark them in the calendar. We'd love to have you. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zielinski. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. 
Missouri Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon's Honey Smoked Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Let's go right to the phones. And as I promised, joining us from uh, the South Metro chapter of Pheasants Forever is Tony Demick. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Well, you know, it's a beautiful day. I'm doing great. The only tough part about today is getting, can't wait to get out of the studio and enjoy the outdoors. Wow, is it nice out. Yeah, you got it. Can't beat this in Colorado. No, you know, and an important thing to getting outdoors is the affinity groups. And, you know, of course, you're with Pheasants Forever. There's the Mule Deer Foundation, the Elk Foundation, the Walleye Club, the Bass Clubs, uh, Trout Unlimited. And I think, I hope sportsmen understand the value, not only the camaraderie that they provide with the meetings and the banquets and getting together with like-minded people and sharing tips and information and just having a good time talking about uh, your trips. I mean, a lot of birds get harvested at your meetings. I know that because I've been to them. And, and, uh, but as sportsmen, we need a voice in the community too, uh, where there's a lot of political things going on and having a voice and organization that helps us with things like lobbying for the farm bill or, or getting, watching for regulations. All those things are so important, Tony. Uh, that's exactly right, Terry. Um, you know, for anybody that's, a pheasant hunter or a hunter or an angler of any sort, finding that conservation organization to get involved with, uh, you can take your hunting season, for example, pheasants for three months and take it into a, a year-long endeavor by getting involved with these chapters and helping them uh, get the word out on, on conservation. So that's exactly what uh, the South Metro uh, Pheasants Forever chapter is doing, and, and we're really excited to get uh, going on our banquet to raise money to do even greater things out on the eastern plains now the banquets are the main fundraiser for your group and the nice thing about pheasants forever is the money stays right here locally before we even get to the banquet though let's talk about some of the things pheasants forever does first of all over the last i'd say seven or eight years we've seen a little bit of a roller coaster in pheasant hunting here on colorado we had a couple really good years a few years ago where the they'll planets just aligned and i talk to ed gorman all the time and anybody who's experienced realizes that the huge percentage of the birds harvested any year are hatched that year. And so it takes the, it takes great habitats. So you have holdover birds and habitat for them to nest in. But then it takes great weather at the same time. But the more habitat you have, the better off you have of a chance of some of it getting the proper weather for a great season. And we've seen that rebound again in the last couple of years where we've had phenomenal hunting. Not only pheasants, but quail and doves have been just fantastic the last couple of years. And getting that habitat in place is a very important part of what Pheasants Forever does, isn't it? It is. Uh, you know, we've spent uh, just over the last 10 years, we've spent uh, uh, $1.2 million on education and outreach alone. And then uh, overall, uh, We've spent $12 million on habitat and $14 million on habitat, including that education, um, outreach, public access for small game hunting and equipment uh, to build great habitats. We're buying uh, seed drillers to uh, go to um, uh, private landowners and build out a new program that's a couple years old now, and it's phenomenal, Corners for Conservation. Uh, I encourage people to read up on that and see what that's all about because it's just giving us more land to hunt and, and better habitat, not only for pheasants, but for all of wildlife that enjoys those areas. Well, that's a great point that when you build habitat, uh, especially in some of the areas that you build for pheasants, it, it benefits the entire um, outdoor 
ecosystem because you've got nesting birds of all types. You've got white-tailed deer that will use the habitat at times. You've got the quail and the doves. And it just, even if you're just a bird watcher who likes to get out, and one of the neat things in Colorado, too, is that a lot of the area that you're able to set aside, or even if it's on private land, is our, our walk-in access, the partnership we have with farmers and things. That's all promoted by Pheasants Forever. Another thing about Pheasants Forever that I really, really am, uh, I'm, I'm evangelistic about getting kids into the outdoors. And you guys do so much youth outreach. We do a lot of youth outreach. As a matter of fact, uh, we will have a couple uh, beginning shotgun clinics uh, out at Bar Lake that we'll be doing for youth and novices. Uh, the dates of those are May 23rd uh, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. and then July 22nd, uh, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then uh, Mentors Day will be happening out there. So it's talking about all of those uh, conservation organizations that you were mentioning coming together for a day of uh, teaching novices and youth uh, about all the great things uh, you can do outdoors. Now, I know you guys concentrate on the pheasants and the quail here in Colorado. And the quail, by the way, Probably last year may have been the best year for quail ever in south southeast Colorado. It was just unbelievable. And I know you don't concentrate on doves, even though they use their habitat. But is there any way you could take some of that money and teach doves to fly slower? Boy, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> uh, I always tell our novices that we work with, if you can learn to hit a dove, you're going to have a really good pheasant season. So, uh, yeah, well, slowing want, those doves down is a challenge. We're going to get to the bank, but I want to tell you how cruel my parents were. And we hunted grouse and some doves and some pheasants. You know what my first shotgun was? It was a single shot 410. It had <laughs> had a pattern about as big as your hand. You yeah, know, I, mean, the, I, I think I think that's child abuse, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Seriously though, great organization. You know, and we joke around, but this is the kind of thing you you enjoy when you go to whether a meeting or a banquet to any of the affinity groups is like-minded people who enjoy the activity you do. You can share information and stories and 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 issues too that are coming up and talk about how can we address it. So tell us what's going on at the banquet, where it is and how do I register? Well, the banquet is going to be uh, Saturday, March 10th. Um, it's going to be at the Denver Marriott South, so that's on 10345 Park Meadows Drive in Lone Tree. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner begins at 645. Uh, lots of great things going on there. We'll have a youth and uh, novice education table set up. There's going to be, I know everybody's kind of disappointed about this, but we're going to have a lot of great gun giveaways. We're going to have trips, great gear. There's going to be a special auction, items for the entire family, uh, ladies' guns, ladies' raffles. And this is what I think is super important. Uh, youth under the age of 17 who attend our uh, banquet will receive a one-year free membership in Pheasants Forever. And, boy, what a deal that is. Well, that's fantastic. And it is great. And we should we want to really emphasize, too, that this is – the only chapter servicing the entire metro area. So this is, if you live in the metro Denver area, this is your chapter, your banquet. Uh, tell them where they can find time, more information, and where to register. They will want to go to southmetropf.org. Super easy to get to. Click on the banquet banner and just go from there. Um, $75 will get you a dinner and a membership for an entire year with Pheasants Forever. And then I believe it's uh, $110 for a couple's meal. And so that's one membership and two meals. And uh, so it, it's a great deal. We're super excited for this. This is a way not only do we is this critical to raising money so we can continue the great outreach and, and habitat uh, that we install out on uh, Eastern Plains, but uh, – 
you know, we have a lot of fun and we get to meet a lot of new people and, and you never know, you might meet your next uh, new hunting buddy at one of these. All right, Tony, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck with the banquet. We really want to get a good turnout. We want this chapter to take off. You know, we need to rebuild the membership. Uh, there was some changes in the chapter organizations in the Denver metro area, and this could be the first step to building just a solid, solid chapter here in the metro area. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Have a good day. You bet. That's a Tony Damek from uh, Pheasants Forever. And it's just, I know we've been talking a lot about it the last two weeks, but this is important. We need to get this chapter off the ground. We need strong representation for all aspects of the outdoors. So if you're an upland game shooter in the metro area, at least go to southmetropf.org and check them out. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Hey, Jude. Don't make it bad. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go to the phones now. And those of you that have listened to this show over the years know that we used to talk to uh, Bill and Tish from... uh, from the Lake John store on a pretty regular basis. They've been very good friends. We know they decided to move on and they've, um, there's new owners at the Lake John store. Um, Nicole and Josh M have taken over there and, uh, they're not, they may be new to the Lake John store, but they're not new to the outdoors in Colorado. And they're certainly not even new to this radio show. They've been listeners and we want to welcome Nicole right now. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Terry. Thank you. Well, you know, now that you've had the Lake John facility for a few months and you're living the life of leisure, just kick back, uh, going fishing once in a while with nothing to do, uh, how's it working out for you? <laughs> it's, it's going really good. I, I um, realize I don't get to fish and hunt nearly as much as I used to, but it's been wonderful. Um, we are almost coming up on a year under our belts here. So it's just been great to meet a lot of the clientele and customers up here, and it's going great. It really is. We're happy to be here. Well, we'll talk more about the facilities and what you're offering up there and any changes you've made here in just a bit. But we've been talking a lot today about the reseeding ice and the open water opportunities and some of the boat launches opening. But there's still a lot of people that are avid ice anglers that still want to get a few trips in. And I understand that the North Park area has some pretty good ice to do that. That's correct. It does. Um, You know, Lake John is sitting in about 16 to 18 inches of ice still. Uh, The North Delaney's are strong ice as well. They're, They're at 17 inches. Um, Cowdery, the last time we measured it, we were at 19 inches um, there. And Big Creek, um, it's only accessible by snowmobile right now, but it's measuring at about 21 inches of ice. And, you know, you're going to get some on and off weather up where you are right now. You're going to get some cold and some warm. But with that kind of an ice cap, this is one of those times of the year when you can actually, if you hit the weather right, you can come out and almost ice fish in a light jacket because it takes a long time for ice that thick to go away. And yet it can be fairly warm and nice out while you're out there. It, that's absolutely true. Yesterday was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, we hit 40s, and that doesn't sound very high, um, but when you're out there in the sun on the ice, it's just gorgeous, and we didn't need nothing but a light sweatshirt yesterday while we were out. We took um, a lot of pictures of some anglers and, and uh, people, um, you know, fishing out there, 
and uh, they they weren't in heavy gear by any means. So so, so bring us up, sure. bring us up to speed. What what are you seeing happening fishing wise? I know it slowed down a little bit after you had your tournament, but you were telling me that it's really picked up again. Yeah, it has. Um, fishing has really picked up tremendously. Uh, we talked to um, some anglers that were out late last night. Um, the bite's been doing really good after 9 p.m., and uh, we had some, some fishermen come in last night around 10.30, 11 o'clock, and um, they, they, you know, their terminology was they just slayed the 20 inches last night. So that was great to hear. We did have a couple staying in our cabins yesterday. They checked out this morning, and um, they caught a 24-incher yesterday and a nice 21-inch this morning um, that they sent me pictures of, so I'll be posting those on our website and our Facebook for people to see. But it has picked up. It's real active again, and that's great to see. Well, and also, we're, we're talking about Lake John right now, and yep. they heavily stocked Lake John. So in addition to the big fish, there's a lot of stocked holdover fish for, for, for steady action. There is. They did. Um, they stocked heavily this past year. Uh, the the last estimate I got from our biologist was 400,000 fish. Um, but you know what? The stockers are growing fast because of that fresh micro shrimp that's in here. They're good. They're fat. They're they're you know their girth is good. So they're feeding well, and it's great activity for kids too. Even if they are those stocker sizes, because it's not a long, boring day on the lake. You know. How about some of the other lakes in the area, the Delaney's and Cowdery? Are you hearing much from them? You know, the Delaney's we do get reports quite often on. Um, we have a lot of people that stay in the cabins here and fish over there. Um, North has been holding pretty steady on its very slow fishing, but when people do catch, they're catching, you know, very sizable browns out of there. Um, South and East Delaney are a lot more active, but they're not nearly the size of fish that you would catch out of, out of north. Um, but fishing still still active for, for south and east if you're looking for that, at a, at that activity, you know. And then Cowdery Lake, unfortunately, I don't have a good update on that. Um, I know people are fishing it, but nobody's really given me a very good update. Like I said, we go over once a week to measure the ice so that we can accurately report on that. Um, and we know it's at 19 inches, but I just don't have a good fishing report from Cowdery. Nobody's let me know how they're doing there. All right, but sounds like there's going to be great options for anybody that wants to get some ice fishing trips, and they can head up, and in a little bit, we'll give them contact information so they can check with you for current conditions. But tell people about what you're doing. Is anything different changed, or is the store running about the same? Kind of bring us up to date on the facilities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd have to say the biggest change we did here is we did uh, get water onto our cabins year-round now. So, um, you know, they used to be winterized previously throughout the winter months, um, but we, we dug those water lines down deeper and got water running to those full time, so that's exciting. We are still renting out RV sites throughout the winter, you know, the, for electric, um, and then we give you access to our shower house and bathrooms 24 hours. Um, we just kind of did a small facelift to the general store and, you know, cleaning up some groundskeeping, stuff like that. Um, those are pretty, pretty much the biggest changes so far. You know, it's, I want everything done overnight, but I have to have patience. (laughs) Well, and then you got to try to get out and fish once in a while. And then, and, and then I think the other thing too, we want to remind people that you have the RV sites, you have the cabins, of course you're around Mm -hmm. and that you have the general store where if you head up there and you need some bait tackle or groceries, you can take care of them. 
Yeah, absolutely. We've um, we've done a really good job. We're extending expanding the bait and tackle area. You know, um, try to keep it fully stocked all the time for for our customers. And then we, you know, we have the little little groceries, some cold, some you know not cold, and uh, just trying to offer as much as we can up here. We do do propane fill. We do have fuel stuff like that. Well, tell people how they get a hold of you if they want to call you before they come up. Yeah. Our phone number is 970-723-3226. And then also I do a weekly um, fishing report. I post it on our Facebook, which is Lake John Resort. And we have our website, lakejohnresort.com, and you can see those reports on there as well. It has all our information about the cabins, rates, RV parks, stuff like that. Well, Nicole, the best of luck to you and Josh, and we'll keep you guys on the radio. We'll keep people appraised of the conditions because I think not only good ice, but I think you're going to be headed for a great spring once you get open water too. So we'll get you back on soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Terry. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. That's uh, uh, Nicole uh, M. from the new owners of the Lake John store. Seem like just really nice people. And, you know, um, someplace we've all gone at times, and we're going to miss the old owners. But these these guys seem to really be up to it and just really, really good people. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire, and I know that the gentleman joining us right now, right now knows how good he is, Mr. Ronnie Castiglione. Hello, Terry. You know, this, this weather we're having today feels a lot like my Florida vacation. It's beautiful outside today. Yeah, you just got back, so you know, and I, I suppose we're going to have to hear about all the fish you caught. Well, you know, Terry, I did catch a good number of fish. There's no doubt about it, and so did my lady. Uh, we had a lot of fun down there, you know. And, and you and me have talked quite a few times on the radio, Terry, about about doing some traveling and taking some gear with you and traveling light and that kind of a thing. And it's funny, Terry. You know, I took some three piece rods down there. I took two of them down there with me, and we definitely got a lot of use out of those three piece rods. And I took a couple of tackle boxes with me, Terry, little tackle boxes, but they were packed full of, you know a whole bunch of different lures and stuff like that in the one, and the other one had a whole bunch of jigs in it, Terry. And I only caught fish on jigs, Terry. You know, I could have only brought those, and I could have just brought a a couple packs of gulp minnows and some of the max scent minnows with me, and that's pretty much all I needed, Terry. I didn't need to bring all that other stuff I brought. You know, I I could... Totally identify, and you and you're right. You and I talk about this a lot, and I travel extensively. If people listen to this, they know that you fill in. A few other guys fill in when I'm gone, and we always joke I'm on assignment. But I always take uh, some multi-section rods with me and some tackle, and whether it's a fishing trip or just an area where I can fish. And I like you. I always have maybe one one uh, uh, Plano box, you know, the big one with some hard baits in it. But 90% of the time, the fish I catch come on a jig head with either a gulp minnow, I take some gulp shrimp in the salt water, or or a minnow type bait like that. Now, there's two reasons. One is they just work so darn well. And the other is it's typically what I have tied on. Yeah, absolutely, Terry. You know, and it's, 
it's what we caught all our fish down there on, and we caught a whole bunch of sea trout on the, those speckled trout. We caught a bunch of those, caught some snook, caught some snappers, caught some sheep's head, uh, a variety of fish, a whole bunch of ladyfish, Terry. And I know you know those things are fun, even though they're kind of considered trash fish down there. It's a lot of fun to hook a fish and see it jump, you know, 12 to 15 feet into the air like those. Oh, I know. They're just like acrobats. Oh, it was incredible. You know, we cut those off a kayak one day. We went down to Matlache Island and we kayaked around that island, me and Kristen did, and, and fished down there and uh, got a bunch of ladyfish that day, a bunch of trout that day. And yeah, the ladyfish, she was she was amazed at those things, Terry. They were jumping over the kayak and it was absolutely incredible. We had a great time, Terry. What's really fun is when about an eight foot shark comes out of the water after one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A lot of guys do use those ladyfish as bait down there for those groupers and for those bigger snook and things like that. But they're they're fun on light tackle, Terry. They're a lot of fun to catch, and we had a great time down there, Terry. But, you know, one of the things I really wanted to talk about is that I got out and I utilized the, the Power Bait Max Scent 4-inch flat-nosed minnow a lot down in Florida, Terry. I, I utilized those things a whole bunch down there, and they really, really performed outstanding in saltwater, Terry. And I, I picked up a few kind of, you know, smaller nuance type things, that, you know, after I utilized these, these, these lures a whole bunch down there that I kind of wanted to pass on to the audience, Terry. Well, I think you should. Now, you know, I've got to travel with them myself. I had some before they were available in the stores. And, you know, you mentioned the Galt Minnow, and I'm sure you're going to cover this. And the Galt Minnow, anybody that listens to you and me and Chad and even Nate will know that it's one of our favorite baits because it just works. But the Galt Minnow has a few drawbacks to it. One is that if you leave it rigged and not in the water, it will dry out. It is a little stiffer. It's not quite as flexible. And it's a little harder to travel with because of that and the things like that. The difference with the Galt Minnow and the previous Power Minnow was that the previous Power Minnow, um, if once a fish bit it, it didn't let go because it had the infused scent. But it didn't give the scent into the water that Gulp does. Well, now this new 4-inch flat-nosed minnow from the Max Scent overcomes a bunch of that stuff, Ronnie. Yeah, it's definitely a hybrid of the two, Terry. And, you know, you mentioned the fact that it's it's more supple. It's a lot softer than, than the gold minnow. Now, that's a good thing in certain situations, Terry, and that might also be a bad thing in other situations. Um, you know, one example of that is, is you got to be aware of what kind of jig head you're putting these minnows on. If you're utilizing the Powerbait Max scent, you know, the flat-nosed minnow, uh, what I found, Terry, is that that Max scent minnow it is so supple and is so flexible that if you if you put that on just a standard ball style jig head, for example, when you slack that thing out and you let that thing fall, it turns over and it falls straight vertical and goes straight down to the bottom. Uh, that has a lot to do with the fact that the body has no rigidity to it. It's real soft and supple, so it doesn't really have that gliding action and that kind of that penduling action that you get out of the gulp minnow on a lot of jig heads. Now, there's an easy way to kind of compensate for that, and that is putting this particular kind of minnow onto like a darter head or something like that, Terry. A jig head that is designed itself to kind of have a little bit of glide and sort of that big, you know, circular falling pattern to it, that kind of a thing that, that we look for from the gulp minnows. If you put these power bait minnow, you know, the maxent minnows on a darter head, then you get that same kind of gliding action out of it, Terry. It doesn't just turn over and fall straight down. And that's something that I noticed, you know, real, real quick down there, Terry. I also noticed that last fall when we utilized these minnows, you know, targeting some of those trout vertically was that, you know, right off the bat, I put them on a standard ball head and, and i found out real quick that i needed to get them on a darter head terry no you're absolutely right they're going to fish a little different they're going to be more subtle we were bass fishing with them in minnesota last summer 
and we actually were rigging them almost like we would rig a four-inch finesse worm for bass where we put very little weight on it and the hook and using that type of situation but trying to give a little different profile and look i will tell you one thing as far as the suppleness they maintain it we had um one of the four-inch flat nose that we put on a rod and reel and about noon one day and it was ready to go the next morning. It hadn't dried out or stiffened up. It was very good. But you're right. There's going to be times when a four-inch gulp minnow would be a better performer because you, just like uh, the old days when we used to see baits like sluggos and things, that you want the bait really, it's almost like a stick bait, but it's got some some suppleness to it and a lot of scent. Yeah, there's there's definitely sometimes where that gliding and a, and a real subtle presentation is going to get it. This uh, this minnow here likes to snake around a whole bunch when you move it, so it really really snakes around in the water like that. You know where it's also going to shine, Terry, is it's definitely going to be an outstanding drop shot bait uh, because of that suppleness. It's going to have a lot of real subtle action with not a lot of movement. So you know you you'll be able to put this thing on a drop shot and not really move that rod a whole heck of a lot, and it's definitely going to work. You know in the water like that, it's also going to perform really well if you're going to wacky rig this presentation, Terry. Take yourself either just a hook and do it weightless or a real small kind of wacky rig style jig head and go ahead and, and hook this thing right in the middle of the body and work it that way. I think it's going to have a lot of action as it falls because it is so supple like that, Terry. Now, you know, it, it, there's going to be some other things that people want to understand about this. Like you mentioned, Terry, it does not dry out, so that's outstanding. And, uh, you know, one of the things we noticed down in Florida, Terry, was because of the shape and design of this minnow, the tail on it is very, very long and very, very skinny. These minnows are, are very, very slim in profile. They don't have a lot of bulk to their body. Uh, because that tail is so long and skinny, when we got it to saltwater, we absolutely had a lot of fish that were biting that, you know, that first inch or so off of that tail like they like to do in saltwater. Those little snappers, they got a bunch of teeth, Terry, and every time they bite them, they take that tail from you. Um, because of the shape of this minnow and because the body is so soft, it was very, very easy for us to either just pinch a little of that tail off once that tail got bit off to make it thin again right at the end, or I was taking a tiny little pair of scissors I had, and I was just kind of recutting and reshaping that tail and splitting it again so that it looked like it did before the fish had taken the last, you know, that, that, that half an inch or so off the back of it, and it just kept right on fishing it, you know, and we were able to do that, you know, several times, Terry, to the point where we shrunk that forage minnow, you know, maybe down to a two and a half inch minnow before we gave up on it and tied on a new one. So, you know, and the other thing about them, Terry, is that they, they stay on the jig heads really, really good and they're definitely durable. So I think people are going to really like these Powerbait Max scents and I'm seeing them in the stores, Terry, now. We've been talking about these, you know, for the last half a year or so on the radio. Um, I'm seeing them all over the place now, Terry. So they're definitely getting into the stores and people are going to be able to go out and get those. Well, another thing about these, uh, the flat nose minnows too, is they have a similar scent that bleeds out like the the gulp they're they're much more uh they emit much more scent than a power bait when it's not being bit the power bait regular power bait still has plenty of scent fish grab it and don't hold on but there's still really a visual presentation the gulp was somewhat visual but also it had very much of the scent that permeated the area the these are kind of different and i talked to the scientists back at berkeley and they said you know when you take your your uh, flat nose minnows off if you've got some gulp with you put it in with the gulf they'll actually help recharge and they'll, they'll take on more moisture even add more scent to them so you can travel with them really well take both the gulf and the power minnow with you the max scent ronnie we got about 15 seconds left last comment uh you know the waters are opening up here, here terry uh 
I just want to let people know that, you know, Boyd is scheduled to open as soon as the ice is off of the lake. I called them this morning, and they are not open yet, but they said that they should be open here within just the next few days if the weather holds up. So look for Boyd Lake to be opening, and I know there's a, some of the other smaller lakes here in northern Colorado. People are already getting out on their boats and getting in. Uh, Horsetooth and Carter, we're still looking at, like, the, the beginning of April before we can get out on those lakes, Terry. Great time to shore fish. Absolutely. Uh, it's that time of year, Terry, and I'm pondering right now whether I want to go to Horsetooth or Carter tonight and do a little bit of that shore walk and looking for some of those big walleyes that should be moving up. Ronnie, we'll get together soon. We need to have dinner and go over your Florida trip. All right. Sounds good, Terry. Thank you. Ronnie Castellonio from Fish uh, Fishful Thinker. Of course, he's with Chad and Dan Swanson. Great organization. You hear a lot of them on here all the time, regular contributors to the show. Ronnie's a great angler. You know, he's just, he's always playing with techniques. He spends a lot of time trying things, experimenting, so we can come back and share it with you. Join us every Saturday at 9 o'clock here, 9 to 11, for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Please follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You're going to be able to win a lot of prizes. The answers to the contests are going to be on the Facebook, how you enter are going to be on our Facebook page. If you want to win uh, everything from honey smoked salmon to rifle scopes to an ice fishing trip with Nate Zielinski and I, you need to follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Karen for keeping me kind online. We'll see you next week on 104.3 The Fan.